All right, welcome to the Service MVP podcast, and my name is Joe Crisera, America's Service Coach, and with me, we have a great meeting today. I have with me uh, Mr. Anthony Moore from Fuller Electric in Seattle, Washington. Hi, Anthony. How you doing? Say hi to our listeners. Hi. Uh, how's it going, guys? Um, thank you for having me on the show, Joe. It's great to be here. Well, Anthony runs a company called Fuller Electric. And I think I want to make sure that we don't leave. There's no electricians left behind, Anthony. That's why I'm going to be doing the three keys to electrical business success. And uh, I have Anthony here who has uh, been through some of the wars, and he is here to share some of the things and advice uh, and also some of the things that electrical challenges that we go through this business and also the future of electrical service. And so, Anthony, uh, thank you so much for taking your time to share so generously with all the electricians out there. Yeah, again, thank you for having me on the show and hopefully I can answer some of your questions here. Well, I think you're going to do great. Just just speak the truth and it's always easy to remember, as they say. So, yeah. Anthony, uh, why don't we start by just saying uh, about yourself and Fuller Electric and uh, how it got started. And uh, just give us a little thumbnail about who you are and what's in your heart when you serve your community, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, my getting into electrical contracting business was 100% by accident. Um, I've always had a knack for business-minded things. I started a few businesses, even in high school, selling supplements and stuff on the internet before that was even a thing. And I just knew like I had to do something with business. So I went after graduating high school, went to college and studied nothing but business classes. I knew that, um, and after a couple of years, I ran out of money. And so that's why I was focusing on the business classes because I figured I'd soak up as much as I could. And when I um, came back home with my tail between my legs, my dad gave me uh, 30 days to figure it out. He wasn't gonna let me live at home. So he gave me an option of joining the military or getting into the trades. Um, he, um, by trade was a pipe fitter, um, with a local shipyard here. And that was his one piece of advice is don't be a plumber, but, and so, <laughs> um, just went around the, the local, uh, trade unions in our area to see who was hiring and came across electrical. Um, it seemed like it was, uh, something that was interesting and got myself into the apprenticeship back in 2004 and worked my way through that. I graduated, got my licensing, and uh, right as I was about to finish getting my licensing, I came on board with Fuller Electric. Uh, the husband and wife owner at the time brought me on, um, teaching me estimating. I was kind of moonlighting for them, working the day for another contractor in the area. And they brought me in under the wing to kind of teach me the ins and outs of the business. Um, so after I landed our first job with them, that was about the time when I was like, they just said, come on board. Yeah, yeah we eat what we kill here. And so took it on from an estimator to a project manager. Um, and fast forward to now, um, the husband and wife, they wanted to retire and get out of the business. And so just kind of talking things over with my wife, she just, she has a knack for business as well. And looking at things, she said, hey, I think we can take what they built since 1990 and run with it and build upon their good name and reputation. And so uh, back in 21, uh, we decided to buy the company. So Amanda, she's 
our president and owner, and I'm still our operations director, which just means I wear lots of hats, including the janitor hats from time to time. So, <laughs> well, it sounds like a familiar story. Uh, I, I would like to give Amanda more special credit for being a great leader and keeping the team on track. I mean, it's no, no small challenges. Maybe that is one of the challenges you want to talk about a little bit later here. But Anthony, uh, going through every phase of the business from an apprentice to an estimator to just getting involved with every part of it, even answering the phones and things like that. If you had an electrical contractor starting out, what is one piece of advice you would give a person just starting out in this business? Because a lot of electricians probably get that entrepreneurial uh, seizure, I call it, and they want to go into business. What are what is something that you would give them advice about to, when you're getting started, if you don't mind? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the basics, like doing your due diligence, making sure you uh, figure out what all your local laws and licensing and insurance and bonding, if your state requires that. There's a lot of technical nuance for the electrical contact tracking business in a lot of states. I know some states you might not need a license or they uh, make that bar pretty low, but just doing your own due diligence with that. Um, but what I think one of the um, most overlooked secrets for people starting out is really leveraging their uh, their vendor relationships. So when you're just getting started out, you don't have any credit, no one knows you a lot of the times, and just like really work in that relationship because um, you can not only get better pricing sometimes, but where a lot of um, the, the suppliers, at least in our area, shine is in delivering logistics. Like that's what they're experts in is making sure you get the right products and making sure they stock it and everything. And some of the better ones in our area do what's called, um, we call it VMI, so vendor managed inventory. Mm -hmm. So that helps with your cash flow too. So you're not paying for product up front um, and you're able to pay for it as you consume material, which that's a huge game changer having someone else manage that. And especially we're a small business. We got a head count of 10 here. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where you can offload some of these specialties to other people that like, that's what they do. It's um, one of those force multipliers for you. Yeah, that can, that can take a big bite out of your hide. The inventory management, it could take two full-time employees. And I, I agree with you. Uh, it takes, a, I think we have to look at it like, uh, who can I go take from vendor to partner? And certainly I say the same thing about service MVP. I don't, I don't want to be looked at as just a vendor. I want to be looked at as a partner in the business. And yeah. uh, I always say, I feel like I, I want you to feel like I have an office there. I just don't have real estate. Make sense? Yeah. If I could share a quick story, like uh, prior owners, I remember you know, we'd scrutinize material pricing and it's like, oh, this guy, we could save 20 cents here and a dollar a box here and this and that. But then the service is horrible and like they might send out the wrong product or they might send it late or whatever, not really what you need. And it's like, is it really worth the time monkeying around trying to save a few cents when if you're dealing with someone who provides high quality service, gets what you need and hits all the other markers there? Um and so that was one of the things that we learned is sometimes it's not 100% about the price. Usually it's not about the price. It's about the service you get behind what you're buying. Yeah, I think, uh, isn't it ironic that people who sell a service don't even think about that when they purchase one? Like, 
<laughs> they right. think of it as a parts company. They don't think of it as a, it's a service company that provides parts. Makes sense. Sorry. I think that's what we have to look at. What kind of service am I getting? Is that a, just a little bit of service that you get can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year. Is that correct, Anthony? Would you, that's, that's correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of, I see this a lot where guys are trying to save 10 cents or, you know, they spend a dollar to save 10 cents type of thing. And their time as business owners can be better spent elsewhere doing other things that are adding value to the business, not nickel and dime and everything. And um, one of the other pieces of advice I want to give someone just starting out too is just building your uh, network of mentors and coaches. There's a lot of people out there, different Facebook groups and whatnot, and a lot of successful entrepreneurs out there that have been there, done that. You don't necessarily have to figure this all out. There's people out there that have the answer. Um, mm -hmm might have to pay for the answer, but that short circuits years and years of pain and struggle and that uh, kind of distilled knowledge learned from other people that are better than you in other areas, seeking those people out as early as you can and not being afraid to implement their advice. That's really great advice. And, you know, Anthony, I always say that I think it's a really good relationship when you have a mentor or somebody who's been down a certain road before that would save you tons of time. But I think it's also important that uh, those mentors are able to listen to you a little more clearly too. Because I think sometimes us mentors get something, uh, we learn something, although I know we're being, uh, you're investing in us, but nonetheless, I think somebody who can listen to you and even learn uh, from some of the things you're going through, I think that's a, a really a, a, a relationship that kind of creates a complementary relationship uh, where both parties are being more successful because of it. Uh, what do you feel about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Steve Jobs, when he was still around and uh, heading up Apple, that was one of the things he was famous for is having this competing ideas that the boss doesn't necessarily always have the best idea. And at the end of the day, whatever moves the business forward is ultimately the best and not being afraid to challenge the status quo. Like, yeah, the conventional wisdom may say one thing, but hey, have we really put some thought behind why? Because as contractors, we like a lot of the same. If it's been done a certain way for the past five years, it's comfortable. And a lot of people get in that rut and um, not being afraid to challenge that status quo. And, um, and it's not even coming from a place of like being argumentative. It's kind of like what you're saying. It's coming from this place of trying to learn, you know, both sides of the equation and trying to move the ball forward with, you know, the best idea wins type of thing. I think we challenge assumptions. That to me is a good yeah. uh, mentoring relationship where everybody is challenging each other's assumptions. And it turns out with the best idea emerges out of the whole thing. Uh, Anthony, let's move on to uh, yeah. point number two, which is uh, you would be uniquely qualified to tell us about some of the challenges that are in the electrical uh, service business. Could you go ahead and uh, Give us some of the thumbnail challenges or thing. I know you could probably go on for a day on this, but go ahead and just make it, give us some of the uh, highlights of the challenges electricians face uh, on the road to success. Yeah, let me grab my laundry list here. Hold on. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, obviously there's like a rise in material pricing, labor shortage, et cetera. So what um, the government has said, the electrical contracting business is supposed to grow. Like we need another 10% more workforce, which that equates to about over a million electricians, believe it or not, 
within the next, um, I want to say it's like in the next five to six years to meet the growing demand for all the different new technologies that are coming out and about. And so along with that, we got an aging workforce that the average electrician is over the age of like 45, 50 years old. And a lot of them, they, they're taking that knowledge with them. And so one of the challenges that I see is being able to bottle that knowledge and bottle those best practices and be able to um, pass that down to a younger workforce, which who may not have, um, may not have that experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. I think, uh, you know, with the changing scope of the way, what it takes to be a tradesperson is definitely different today than it was back when probably you and I, when I was younger, it meant a lot of uh, uh, carrying toolboxes and you know, years, I mean, five years before you got in any kind of a position where you would be kind of a lead person. But I think today I see uh, the challenges because of that labor shortage is to, uh, how do you fast forward the experience of somebody, but still maintain that quality? I mean, that wait, could you speak on that a little bit? Because electricians are famous for being meticulous tradesmen who want to get everything perfect. Is that perfectionist in a way? Is that, uh, am I summing that up? And there could be a challenge with that. Trying to be perfect uh, is a, definitely a nice uh, idea, but sometimes we're only human. We can all for sure. Tell us about a little bit about the, the striving for, for perfection on electrical uh, service people's part and, uh, and how, how, do, how you can bridge that gap between a million people needed and getting people more rapidly going the right way. Tell, tell us about that a little bit. Um, honestly, like, I think the only way that we'd be able to meet that demand is by training from within. There's not enough electricians out there to make more electricians. So leaning on people outside of the industry and their expertise and figuring out ways to short circuit that path for learning and training, that's kind of key. But, and to your point, you're right. Electricians, a lot of the good tradesmen, they tend to be perfectionists. Um, and and just as a general statement on a side note to that is a lot of them don't like to read directions. This is what they've been shown. This is how uh, their journeyman taught them how to do something. And a lot of times the instructions get thrown out the door. And so, uh, and sometimes that will lead to like rust, rushed installations. And so what I tell folks is, you, you know, that stack of papers inside of the electrical panel that just tossed or whatever the, the new thing that they're putting in is and yeah like those instructions matter and those little details matter because just because you've installed a product a thousand times doesn't mean you know like the the new product that's come out you might be better than most at it but um just being open um to um additional instruction um but yeah to your earlier point as far as um meeting that rising demand. I think the contractors that are focusing on training, not, not just from like a, a safety and uh, technical perspective, but being able to communicate their value to their uh, clients, those are the ones that are gonna be winning and meeting that rising demand. Yeah, and then, you know, I think, uh... I think diversity, I mean, I just put this out there, but I think uh, electrical, electrical, electrical professionals, I think uh, there was a certain prototype. And I think that's one of the, I think it's one of the opportunities that's challenging, but there's also the opportunity because there's a ton of people who could qualify to be an electrical professional because uh, it is a lot more of using the brain. I'm not, hey, I'm not saying that being a, being a plumber isn't using a brain or HVAC tech, 
but you know, uh, definitely I think there's a lot of, uh, between the tools that are available to people, it's not a lot of uh, heavy lifting, let's put it that way. It's it's more of a, uh, a thinking man's job or thinking person's job, I should say, to be more diverse. But I think that's the opportunity I see is the diversity. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. That was one of the things that, again, I didn't have a construction background at all and just kind of happened into electrical work and working on new construction jobs around other trades, seeing that, yeah, no, electrical is more... Um, for those who have good critical thinking skills that are able to solve problems, that's kind of the skill set that um, people who are getting into electrical, that's where they flourish. So, yeah, if people who don't get frustrated with problems, they uh, they get turned on by solving problems. That's really the kind of person who work, works best in this business I've seen. They actually uh, did a study, um, several studies um, for high school students coming up in graduating that only about it's like 15 percent are interested in construction and the trades and the remainder of them the majority 75 80 percent plus are looking more into like the technology sector and that's one of those misconceptions with electrical is like it's closer to a tech job than you would expect like at face value and to your point of like being able to use those critical thinking skills solving problems and coming up with solutions well, you brought up the next subject, the final subject here. Thank you for you, you, you great, great transition, which is the future. Tell us a little bit what you see. I know you're not a, a futurist per se, or you can, nobody can predict the future, but go ahead and tell us about what you think are some of the opportunities uh, that exist for the future of electrical service professionals, if you don't mind. Yeah, my, I mean, my crystal ball only goes to this Friday, so I'll take my spot <laughs> at that one. Um, there's a huge opportunity just in an industry shift to clean uh, clean technology. So uh, solar systems, electrical vehicle chargers, um, they're anticipating, you know, more EV chargers being installed than any other type of electrical project that you can think of. And then also the underlying um, distribution for that. So this gets even beyond an electrician, this gets into like, the people that take care of the, the power lines, linemen and stuff to be able to support all that infrastructure. So um, the government's already um, made it clear that's one of their priorities is to electrify America with electrical vehicles. So that's one of those um, low hanging fruits and a huge opportunity for um, people coming out and what's gonna be coming out in the years to come. Um, I'd say like smart lighting systems, people are wanting, uh, the, the connected home. So everything, and that caters to like people's convenience. They just want their home to work for them, whether that's lighting, heating, cooling, um, and stuff like that. Um, they're actually making electrical panels now that are smart enough that um, do the troubleshooting for you almost, and uh, being able to balance loads of okay, I'm charging power during the day. I'm going to hold on to that when I need to charge my vehicle at night sort of thing. Mm. So there's a lot of um, technology that's being built out. Again, like more or less for the electrical vehicle industry. Yeah, power power storage and power storage systems that would be on-demand uh, storage. We're storing it up when you are not using it at peak and then using the storage power. I mean, I can see that. That's the thing about it, right? It seems like uh, it's a complex subject because you can see that I think in the future, I do see us 
consuming more electric more electrical solutions on everything uh, yeah. however i do i do feel those solutions are more efficient so we don't although we do need the distribution of power to different things and it's going to create more opportunities there i also see that the efficiency of that power especially in places like seattle or los angeles or any big city uh to make sure that we don't have to use the city's power and we can kind of generate some of our own power i think that's one of the things that kind of is uh uh, one of the things that create opportunity on one end and also create uh, consumer benefits on the other by being able to save that money. Make sense? What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where it'll be more cost effective for folks to be able to generate their own power, store it for themselves, use it when they need it. Then the, the large power companies out there stringing more distribution lines or trying to create more capacity to by, with coal or water or wind farms, it'll be more cost efficient for people to do it at in their local communities well one thing i know for sure is that uh, if there is going to be future opportunities uh to to find solutions that the average electrician wouldn't see i do know that fuller electric is definitely uh there to uh, look into those and to dive into research those anthony how much how much time do you put into uh trying to find new opportunities for your for fuller for the for the customers of fuller electric how much time do you put into that some people like working on cars. Some people keep up with sports. Like I said in the beginning is I really love technology and that's been kind of like my side passion to electrical contracting. If I was an electrician, I probably would be a programmer. And um, as far as like the amount of time, anytime that I'm not at work, I'm uh, on, on the internet, blogs, Facebook groups. Uh, there's a lot of different trade magazines out there and books just consuming everything that I can to figure out, you know, what's next, because at least how we've always operated, we've always been on the leading edge of things like it's rarely I'll be last to know if there's an emerging technology coming out. So that's one of the things that I pride myself on is um, being able to um, stay at the forefront of things. Yeah, I think that does create that because really that's what is this to me one of the secrets of electrical business success is mastering solutions that the average electrician or average person wouldn't think that electrical contractors or electrical professionals would do. They, they're they like surprising people with solutions that they just didn't think. Uh, like they just thought you guys put wires together. They didn't realize uh, that you could make the home more modern and livable and, uh, and actually uh, protect the safety and health of the occupants of the home. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We get that a lot from uh, customers where we'll go through a solution and they're like, uh, you can do that? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, the average homeowner doesn't have an electrician in their home, but like once every seven years type of thing. And so for them to be put to put the burden on them to know, you know, late, the latest emerging trends and whatnot, that's not really their real house. You know, they're worried about, you know, going to work, putting food on the table for their kids, uh, stuff like that. So it really gives an opportunity for um, the better electrical contractor, electrical contractors out there in the shine to, you know, stay on the forefront so you can educate your customer and bring those solutions to them. Well, all I can say is this, Anthony, in my time with you for uh, uh, the over a year now we've been uh, working together and everybody I've seen from full electric all the way from the office staff uh, to you as an owner to uh, Ted and uh, Jake and the guys Joe the guys in the field who are in this company 
I do see something that in their heart, it's something about the culture of Fuller, Fuller Electric, which is that uh, in everybody's heart, it seems like they want the customer to be cared for, they want the customer to feel respected, and they want the customer to feel supported. Am I on the right track there, Anthony? That's what, that's what I'm seeing when I, when I see Fuller Electric. Am I on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the question is, is like, how does Fuller Electric do it? It's 100% the, the people that we hire and um, why I think we've had a slower growth and just at, I mean, it's, you can hire 100 electricians tomorrow type of thing, but really having the right people on the bus with the right skill set. One of the things that we look for, there's three different criteria is people who are humble, hungry, and smart. There's a book by um, Lencioni out there that's on the subject on how to hire the best people. And really that's what it comes down to is just getting people on the bus that have those character traits to be able to move the ball forward. Well, Anthony, again, uh, you know, whenever I have a great time like this, uh, the time always comes, they say a great meeting yeah. ends on time, but unfortunately uh, I've gone a little overtime with you here, but I tell you <laughs> what, I could probably go on for another hour, but uh, let's leave people wanting more. Anthony, thank you so much again for sharing that insight. And I know there's a lot of electrical professionals who need to hear this and are very heartened that you are speaking to the trades and in your heart, trying to help them as well. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me uh, the mic and let me share my thoughts there. And thank you for having me on the show. All right, everybody, have a great one. Now, if you want to uh, check out more, uh, you can always find this content at Service MVP. And uh, Anthony uh, is also at Fuller Electric. If you wanted to contact him, I'm sure he wouldn't uh, mind uh, you know, talking to another electrical professional or anybody who needs his help. If you're a consumer looking for a great uh, company, uh, if I had to hire somebody electrical professional for my home, I might have to fly you down to Los Angeles, <laughs> Anthony. Because <laughs> so definitely you're in the top uh, top uh, two people I know that uh, could I would definitely trust with my home. So thank you so much, Anthony, for being here. Everybody have a great one. We'll see you on the next episode. All right. Thank you. Thank you.